let's just start. Yeah, you know what? All right, let's go. All right, let's go. All right, let's go. Welcome to the Dude Catholic Podcast. I'm your co-host Adrian here with two people who know where bad rainbows go. Prism. <laughs> it's it's a light sentence. <laughs> he is Javier. And our special guest today is Cheyenne Vasquez. That's right. Our scripture today comes from it's Matthew chapter six, verse 34. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day. It's its own evil. Mm. Delicious. Delicious indeed. So let's get this podcast on the road. Today we have Cheyenne Vasquez because she happens to be someone that has certain expertise, a very specific set of skills. So welcome, yeah. Shai. Welcome. welcome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Very nice. Why don't, you, why don't you tell us what you do for a living real quick? Well, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I am currently working with, um, you know, all types of different individuals, um, all age groups. Um, I have a very extensive background working in the field of mental health, but I definitely think that, you know, my my call to serve in this way started with youth ministry and serving adolescents. And so I've always been kind of motivated and wanting to, you know, be able to help uh, mainly primarily adolescents. And I do serve adolescents, but I've kind of expanded my, my clientele, as we would say, and I'm starting to serve more than just that population. Now we happen to even be kind of mental. Um, so that. <laughs> That's right up your alley. That's, oh, I know you, Adrian. <laughs> Indeed. So let's let's get into it. Mental health. Well, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm just kind of kind of I'm always iffy talking about it. Not because um, not because I don't think it's an important issue, but rather because I'm like, where the heck do I start? You know, a lot of us a lot of us have this, uh, and and I'm I'm gonna jump into you know speaking about dudes and in general. You know, we have this. I believe like therapy has certain stigma, um, mm -hmm. especially with, with, with men. It's like, okay, why am I going to go to the stranger and tell him stuff that he or she has no business knowing? I think, I think you're absolutely right in wanting to address the stigma first, because I think, you know, especially for men, I think that there is like a hindrance of like, even just presenting emotions or talking about emotions and talking about your problems and, you know, whether it's cultural or just the parent upbringing, it's almost like you're not masculine if you need to go and express your emotions in a small room with a complete stranger. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, that's and, and I think it's something that, 
we as a society need to change. And it's something that, you know, I think there's a misunderstanding. And so kind of to like further, like you have, you did ask a very in-depth question of like what goes beyond. And I think sometimes there's a misconception, like people think that therapists, um, there's a possibility that we will judge or, um, you know, we are there to fix problems where we're really not. Um, we're really there to just help guide the person in being a better self and, you know, of who they are as an individual. We're not there to judge, you know, mistakes or decisions that were made. Um, we're there to really provide a safe place for them to discuss because a lot of times, especially men, I think that men come in a lot of times with like, they have to be the provider for their family. They have to be the strong person, whether that's again, a parent upbringing or a cultural piece to them. They feel like they are like the primary pillar of their family. Of and pressure. I think, yeah, it's so much pressure. And I think sometimes they don't wanna go and put all this added stress on their loved ones and they don't have a place to vent. They don't have a place to come and get support that they need to and just feel safe in expressing their emotions because their emotions can be witnessed and seen as a form of weakness. And that is also another misconception. I think that, you know, as a society that, you know, we've adapted to and just kind of accepted, but you know, if, if that's what's holding them back from having a whole wellness of their whole body, mind, and soul, then we provide that safe place for them to come to where they're not judged. They have that freedom to say what they need to say without, you know, any type of restriction. And they're just able to talk and, and, you know, we help guide, you know, I think there's, you know, interventions that go beyond and that's based on each person and their diagnosis. Um, you know, to kind of help them and guide them in the right way. But, you know, the person has to be ready and, and willing to kind of accept that. But, you know, as men of faith, isn't just prayer enough? No, isn't God enough? Can't he, you know, speaking to God and venting to God? I, I'm just being a jerk, you know, just no, um, because it, it's, so it's one of those, it's one of those, uh, one of those silly things that, that sometimes we believe, you know, like all I need is mm -hmm. God. Yeah. Um, but it'd be kind of like breaking your leg and then saying, you know, isn't God enough? Like maybe just, you know, pray to God, right. and try to snap it back in and suck it up mm -hmm. and keep going. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I completely agree with that. I think a lot of people don't understand that, you know, as therapists, we are really working in like a crisis and triage kind of situation where people are kind of coming to us in a very fragile state of mind sometimes. And we are in a crisis mode where it's life and death. And I'm, you know, I'm working right now from home and I hope that my zoom doesn't go out in the middle of the session to <laughs> be in a crisis moment. Um, and yeah, I think I, you know, there's a great video that I want to actually like refer to and it's on empathy by Brene Brown and Brene Brown is kind of like a, an all known kind of person when it comes to like kind of therapeutic interventions and she just has a wealth of knowledge and there's a video on empathy and she talks about how there's this thing called a silver like a silver lining uh -huh. in that video and she talks about how people will use god as a silver lining like oh you know but that's okay like you know like just using god as a way of trying to say everything's going to be fine because we believe in god and we have uh -huh. faith in god 
And the truth is, is like, yeah, like, but that doesn't make anybody feel better. Like by saying like, well, just trust God, just have faith in God. In that moment, a lot of times people will feel betrayed by God. You know, we talk about grief and loss and there's the bargaining stage of grief and loss where people are questioning God and asking why me? And that's a very fragile state. And it's a very personal state to be in. And they just need empathy, somebody to be there with them. And I think one of the beautiful things about therapy is the connection and relationship that we build. And we're able to provide that space and give them empathy without judgment, without creating that silver lining of, hey, you know, God's going to, you know, always be there for you, always guide you. It's like they, people understand that God is an important part of their life. But in that moment, they need to grieve, they need to process. And so giving a silver lining is not really meeting them where they're at. It's like, you're looking on top and you're like looking down at them. And so I think people, it could be damaging sometimes to a relationship. And it's like, it's not, I know it's not intentional when people say that, but it can be very hurtful because like what you're saying, like people can be in such a fragile state that they need to, in order to see God, they need somebody to kind of help guide them and direct them. And I think that in a lot of ways that if people are working on themselves and becoming whole and working on what they really need to work on in therapy, then they will be able to have that faith in God. But sometimes when they come, they're just not in that place to be talking about it yet. It kind of reminds me of like, when I started going to church, I was, I talked about this before I, I was getting pulled in like every direction, like go with the, you know, uh, the people who follow the apparitions, go with the people who are all about like, um, you know, uh, more traditional ways of worship, the Latin mass or the charismatic movement. And I remember going to these charismatic prayer groups and healing masses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's praying in tongues. <laughs> I remember at St. Hillary's and different places like that, Our Lady Petra Help. Um, I remember the these, you know, people coming out, just, you know, if you believe God's going to heal you, God's going to heal you. And, you know, God, God will heal you if, if that's what he wants to do in that moment. But most of that's an exception, right? That's mm-hmm. not the norm. God will heal you most of the time using other human beings, right? right. People he's gifted uh, with, with these gifts to help you, whether it be a doctor, a therapist, whatever your need may be, God's going to give you those individuals to help you. And it makes me think of the story that I often tell my students is that story of the, of the man that's drowning in the ocean. Right. And he's like, God, help me, God, help me. And he's drowning. Right. And, and then this, this boat comes by, he's like, Hey, you know, they throw him a lifesaver. He's like, no, no, no. God's going to help me. He's going to save me. And then this helicopter comes by and, and, you know, coast guard, whatever. And he's like, Hey, get in. And he's like, no, no, God's going to come and save me. You know? And then he dies and he goes to heaven and, and then he's like, Hey God, what, what happened? I trusted you. I loved you. You know, I, I was faithful to you. Why is it you, you didn't save me when I was drowning? God's like, look, I send you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what, what more did you want, buddy? Right. And, you know, these ordinary means that God has given us to, to heal uh, in our lives, um, you know, from the anxiety or, or depression that, that, that we, we, we all have for whether it be because we have, you know, mental illnesses or because of the fact that we pick them up along the way for whatever reason, um, you know, it's, it's part of our broken 
human nature, our fallen human nature as human beings that need to be redeemed. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the saying goes, grace builds on nature. Perfects nature, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the times what happens is that we try to go at it with just like, hey, God, like you need to help me out here because, you know, if you're real, then you're going to do this. You know, how insulting that is that is to God. First and foremost, you know, like we need we need to use what he's already given us. Um, but also, you know, sometimes we we tend to use that kind of like to um, to shun away God and be like, all right, God, you can take the back seat to it. And how much better is the both and approach? You know, as a therapist, do you do you happen to uh, to use that, you know, that that very important tool that a lot of people kind of kind of put on the side? Because I remember when I was uh, when I was first going to college, I was all in with psychology. I was actually wanting to be a therapist. Like that was my original goal to be a therapist. And then I took a few psychology classes and I'm like, it kind of lost its soul. You know, it's trying to be an empirical science when psyche actually comes from the Greek word for soul. And so in, mm-hmm. in that way, you know, I kind of felt disenamored with the whole discipline. But then, but then, you know, if I would have stuck with it, I think I would have eventually kind of came to the realization that it's it's kind of a good thing to have both and not just one or the other. Yes, I, um, so yes, I definitely, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm not a psychology major. I'm definitely human services, which is the study of helping, you know, people. And so I definitely bring in my faith when, you know, someone shares and I, I kind of ask and probe around, you know, what their belief system is, because I definitely think that, um, having faith, um, can provide people like an added tool to help get them through whatever they're processing. So, um, you know, I'm obviously I was really involved in the church. And so I do know about like bereavement ministry being offered. So if I have a, you know, a client that is struggling with grief and loss, I'll ask them about their local parish. And if they're involved, did they know about the bereavement group? Um, so I definitely check in with my clients because, there is such a huge piece that people sometimes skip over when it comes to their faith. And I think it is it's part of the whole being like you need to take care of your mental health, you need to take care of your soul, you need to nourish all these pieces of your body and, and be able to be that whole self. So mm-hmm. I am a person that encompasses like a full approach. Very good. Yeah, I, I I wanted to ask you if you can just maybe building off of that, if you can give some maybe practical advice on what can somebody do uh, who is going through. I mean, we just we just are we're still probably going through a pandemic, and people are you know lost jobs, have lost uh, family, have gone through through hell and back, and and their situations have been extremely stressful. Uh, you know, we call it a new normal because it's no longer normal. What are some things, some tools that people can do on a daily basis uh, to, to cope with anxiety or, or with depression, with lost, um, just basic things uh, that, that you, you know, would advise somebody to do? And, and the second question I have also is um, how would you advise someone to help another person that they they witness going through these things or they observe going through these things um you know what or what are the signs that somebody might give in in when they're when they're going through these things so that we could you know parents or you know siblings uh whatever husbands wives could 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 reach out to them yeah i think um some the answer i guess the first 
part of your question, which was just kind of things that you can do for your mental health would be, you know, definitely reading self-help books. I would definitely say exercise, eating right. Those are kind of like the primary things, you know, if going to church is something that you feel is beneficial, definitely going to church. I also think music is such a huge impact on a lot of Mm. people. It's one of those things that people often forget, but it's definitely a tool that can be calming or, you know, also I would say um, staying organized in your life and what that means, staying clean, um, you know, organizing things, maybe getting rid of things that are just old and collecting dust and you don't use anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. Trying to free that clutter, you know, declutter your life and be simple because, that can cause added stress. Those are just kind of like some basic overall, like life training rules, I guess, to get started. But I mean, ultimately, if you are really suffering from like severe anxiety, um, I would definitely say at that point that, you know, to go ahead and set up an appointment with a therapist. I mean, a therapist is just somebody that you're going to have an opportunity to talk to and kind of they'll gauge and be able to kind of better help you with a plan to help guide you in order to de-stress. You can learn relaxation techniques and breathing techniques, grounding techniques. There's just so many different interventions that can help you that you'll learn in therapy that will, you know, help you from day to day. And um, definitely like if you're, you know, struggling with depression, I really would say, and this kind of will lead me into the second, you know, part of your question is that you know, with depression, same, same rules, you could do all of those things, but I think depression, you know, has a sense to debilitate in a way where, um, you know, somebody may not be able to get up and just shower in the morning or, you know, they're struggling getting up and just doing their daily routine. And so that can be, you know, if it's, if it's to that point, I definitely say get involved with the mental health professional. Um, you know, if you're having suicidal ideation, even, homicidal ideation, because for some people, you know, um, depression does not always come out as, um, you know, internal and self-harming behaviors. It can come out where it's aggressive towards others. And that's actually pretty um, common among men. And so I would definitely say at that point, you know, I would say immediately see a therapist, see a mental health professional, look into, um, you know, calling a crisis hotline immediately and getting the help that you need, Um, you know, and even you can, if you're really feeling suicidal, like at that point, I would say call 911. I mean, the authorities know how to handle those types of situations. Um, They're there to just help and assist. I think there is that stigma, but I have to be able to say like that I'd rather you check yourself in for, you know, hospitalization and get the help that you need. Um, You know, missing three days of work is, going to be beneficial because in the long run, you're going to get the help that you need. Yeah, that's, that's, that's wonderful. Um, you know, Adrian and I are, are, are both educators, high school teachers, and you've worked with youth, um, a lot, large portion of your life as a youth minister and youth ministry. Uh, I was reading uh, yesterday that the second cause of de- death for youth in the world is first number one is car accidents which was crazy i was like wow car accidents um and the second one was suicide can you can you talk about that a little bit definitely you know suicide you know the high risk right now is very high um people are running out of finances people lost loved ones yeah. i think 
people who were in domestic violence relationships, oh, um, it worsened for them. They had nowhere yeah, to go. That's right. They had nowhere to seek refuge. And, you know, you can look for all of the everyday warning signs of like, hey, you know, someone giving away their belongings or someone talking about yeah. death, someone talking about, hey, if I were to die and, you know, this is kind of what I would want, um, you know, giving, you know, giving away their funds or just setting up, you know, care for their animals and things like that. Those are all kind of like, you know, the telltale signs, but, um, you know, you hear a lot too. And I think we're going to see a lot more of this is that, you know, you don't see anything at all. You know, when, when someone sometimes makes the decision to commit suicide and they're in that state of mind, they are not in the state of mind of thinking about getting rid of all their belongings. And they're not necessarily in the state of mind of, you know, well, who's going to take care of my animals. It's more of an impulsive decision for them. That's a trauma response. And so that's kind of like a PTSD response of how people just kind of need to say, I need to go, like, I need to leave the situation because their brain at that point is, is trying to adapt. And if it can't survive, that's its only way of kind of coping in the moment. And so unfortunately, you know, people are not really thinking of the full kind of effects of what's happening in the moment. They don't think of the results. People who are impulsive are not thinking pros and cons. They're just going to act. And so I think we're going to see, unfortunately, because of the trauma and everything that this world has gone through in the last year and a half, I, I definitely think that we might see a rise and an increase, but hopefully with, you know, breaking that stigma of mental health, I'm just hoping that people get the help that they need. A quote kind of comes to mind by Henry David Thoreau, um, that most men lead lives of quiet desperation and go to the grave with the same song still in them. Another one. Most men lead lives of quiet desperation and go to the grave with the song still in them. You know, that's something that's, it, it's dark. And I've had long, uh, call it gaps or not long, long parts of my life where I'm thinking I'm not enough or I'm working my ass off and, and still like I see nothing, like there's no progress. And if we say it aloud to other people, it's like, stop whining, you know, just, just man up. You know, and I and I've and I've told that to myself, you know, when when feeling a certain way about about life. And then I'm just like, all right, take a deep breath, let's go, you know, get after it, that kind of mentality. And and it's good to have grit. But when do we know when it, when the situation, when my mental situation, when anyone's mental situation is beyond grit, it's beyond toughing it out, it's beyond sucking it up and just manning up and doing. Like when, when is it a good time to be like, okay, I need help. I definitely think when you start to notice affect relationships or affect your daily living in any way. Yeah. Um, I definitely think at that point it's hindering you to a point where you're not functioning. Like, and, and even then I would challenge my own like answer in that because right. There's functioning alcoholics, but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they don't need help. Um, you know, I, I really think it comes back to being mindful and saying, you know, is this negative self-talk? Am I, am I working on myself? Am I growing? And am I working how to work, like how to turn that negative self-talk into positive self-talk? And if you can't, 
then you need some practice around that. And that's something that we can take care of in therapy and talk about it. You know, where do those negative belief systems come from? You know, where were they created and kind of what was, you know, the trauma that surrounded those beliefs? Um, and I think, you know, everyone has to be able to, you know, be okay with just, I, I feel like mental health needs to be more like a checkup. Like you're like, you should be going like once a year, at least for your annual check-in. Wow. Like, that's pretty good. That's you know, good. like, no, that's, yeah, that's, like, you're right. Why are we not, we do assessments that's, like, yeah, just like a doctor would and yeah. physical. Yeah. What are some closing notes on mental health that you can, that you can give, uh, our brothers who are listening? I would, I would definitely leave with saying that to show um, strength and courage, which is one of, I think, well, just the, a few characteristics I think men need to portray in living out their faith that by being vulnerable and getting help and expressing their emotions, that that is what takes true, true strength and courage. And so don't hesitate to live and lead others through that example. Amen. Boom. There it is. Man up, get some help. That's right. Stay close to the Lord. Pray always. And pray for us. As we pray for you. Ferrum. Ferrum. Absolutely. What do you think is wrong with me? Do I have anxiety from being right all the time? Or, or maybe I'm depressed because of other people's bad choices, like, like wearing Crocs. A lot of people do. No, I, I, I think in my professional opinion, the issue is that you're a bad person. Hmm? You're a mean, selfish, arrogant, self-centered person who needs to work on not being such a terrible human. Mm-hmm. So, was there like a pill for that or...?